Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good evening and welcome to another edition of the world-famous podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. How you doing? How's everyone doing? Are you good? You well? It's the end of summer, getting into autumn and winter. Well, we're in autumn now, aren't we? It'll be autumn, and then it'll be winter, and then we get our big coats out again. Well, maybe. I don't know. It was quite warm last winter, wasn't it? An odd one. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Rambling again. Um, it's been, I've had a great time lately. It's been really nice. Uh, I went for a swim where I live in Lee. Leon C. Went for a swim there. The, the last, <clears throat> last knockings of our summer. We've got a seal. Got a seal comes up. He comes up to the to the to the cockle sheds and as I wander around, and he, uh, he gets a lift there on the on the paddle boarders boards. Wonderful having a little seal wandering around. Lovely. This week's guest is uh, Matt Stocks. Now Matt Stocks, uh, formerly a DJ from uh, uh, from the Kerrang radio station, um, and I met him through the Distraction Pieces Network, Stu Whiffin and Chris Glasson. Big shout out to those boys again. Um, and we got we hit it off straight away. He's such a nice dude. Um, we had a, a mutual our mutual love of music helped push the conversation along. He's he's a he's a top boy. Um, everybody is. Everyone that comes on, every guest has been has been extraordinarily brilliant. Um, it's been it's been really nice. Um, and uh, again, thank you to everybody for listening. Thanks to everyone for your yeah, messages and uh, and. Uh, and all that caper and uh, if you mind getting up on the on the socials there and giving us the old thumbs up and the five stars and that pushes us up the ratings and then people take notice and they come and have a look at the older uh, they come have a listen to the old podcast there so this week matt stocks um i i had him in uh, we, he lives he was living in birmingham he's moved to london now but he was i was up in birmingham gigging doing the birmingham glee um and so we went up, I met him the night before, we had a drink and a, and a wander about. Uh, and then the next day he came to my hotel and we sat and we recorded uh, an episode of Insane in the Membrane. We also did his, his masterful podcast, Life in the Stocks. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, you should. It's, it's absolutely first class. The guests that he's had on there, my God, I mean, he's had some, I mean, Gene, Gene Simmons from, from Kiss, of all people. Um, some wonderful guests. Josh Omey, I believe. Uh, Johnny Rotten himself, you know, John Lydon. I mean, John Lydon doesn't do interviews. So to, to bag uh, such an incredible, uh, incredible beast as uh, Johnny Rotten, that's the next level greatness, man. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so here we are. Matt Stocks. 
Uh, how are you feeling? I'm good, dude. Feeling, yeah, I'm a little bit rusty. Last night. Uh, last night, we were obviously out after your show, <laughs> showing you my town, as I like to do when people from out of town come in. Because yeah, I tour a lot as well, and I find that if you're, especially, you know, when you're part of a band and part of a touring group, you've obviously got your comrades. That's right. But when you're doing what I do or what you do, it's a quite a solitary experience. Yeah, man. So whenever I'm in a different city and I know someone there, or if I don't, I like to try and meet someone there. And I've always been really grateful when people have sort of taken me under yeah, their wing. definitely. And shown them the town. So I always try and do that. And I've been living back in Birmingham now for about two years, but this is where I was born and raised and grew up. So. Yeah, right. And worked for many years on Kerrang, which is based in Birmingham. Yeah. So uh, I know all the bars. All the barmaids, all the, the doormen. So like last night, well, that was obvious. We can walk last in night, for man. free, and yeah. do you know what I mean? You get free drinks. And... I've not, I've not experienced that for a while actually. It's, and I've been to Birmingham many times, never, never been shown around it because I was, I've just, just, it's just one. Of those, I don't know why, because I know people from here. Yeah, but I, I sort of, I don't know really. It's just never happened. But so last night was the first time I've seen. Like we were wandering down, I'm like proper Birmingham. Never been here before. What yeah, well, I, this, I took so. you at one point a complete like detour, didn't I? And you were like, "Where are you taking it?" Like, an industrial estate. And then when I walked out, I'm like, "I'm nearly, I'm nearly back at the hotel." Oh. Yeah. Which way did you take us? You're meant to live here. <laughs> I realised that on route, but I was like, "I've gone too far now. I'm going to have to just it's pretend like I know where I'm going." Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> I got to see the underbelly of the of, of Birmingham, which was nice. And then obviously, I got sharked by a nice young lady. Yeah, he did, mate. It's a rare treat, that isn't I've, it? Do you know what? I've never. <laughs> I've I've been in situations where two people are obviously into each other and something's happening, and then gradually as the night goes, you go All right, listen guys, I'm, I'm going to bug out. Yeah, you know, not be the Three's third. Crowd. See you later yeah. on. Good luck. But she, as soon as she turned up, she was like, like, yeah, you can go now, mate. <laughs> I you felt really bad, that. but I was like, you've got to take your chance. Dude, when you're single, listen, it's every man for mate, himself. You've obviously, listen, the pair of you were on an equal equal footing. Both of you knew what was happening, and I was aware, and I was like, I'll have another drink, and then I'll go. And then when she bought shots just for you two, I'm like, that's my cue. I know. I'm I was out. like, what's Layers. that all about? I was like, like where's that, Riches? She nah, was like, man. oh, it's nah, like, nah, unbelievable. No, nah. that's nah, fine. Do you know what? Strong, powerful woman. She didn't take any shit. Well, she, I, I, we were chatting at the pub before that we left. We didn't yeah. even have a drink in there. And I've noticed this a lot because I DJ a lot. And for the last month, I've been sober. So I've been doing a lot of gigs sober. And you really see how creepy and lechy and pervy guys are. Like we were and talking last I night. I really yeah. understand now. I mean, I don't fully understand because I'm not a woman. But mm. I really see and observe and notice how pervy and creepy and yeah. shameless guys are with it and how horrible it really must be for girls who are out either as a pair or a group and just can't really go anywhere without being hit on. Is and last it? night was great because I didn't hit on this girl. I'm no. In fact, the opposite. Yeah, she yeah, just yeah. came in and was like, right, I'm having she you. She just crowbarred you away. <laughs> and I was like, cool, all right, this yeah, is happening. Yeah, yeah. And that's fine because if you're single and it's consensual and you're both on the same page, and a lot of people go out to meet people at the weekend and that's part of that weekend you know, drinking culture. Course, man, yeah. But when it's unwarranted and unwanted, it's just really horrible to see, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that yeah, bar definitely. that we were in was just, there was guys at the bar with their arms folded, like not even mm. drinking just looking at girls on the just dance floor like yeah. and it makes me as a guy feel a lot of shame for our sex it's like yeah. you know just go up to her and talk to her like have yeah. the balls to walk up to a girl if you like her and talk to her and if she's not interested hopefully she'll tell you and then you leave her alone exactly but don't but just stand there just don't just stand there creeping on dribbling. her and I've seen guys as well a lot of the time go up to girls and they're clearly not interested but they'll just persist and keep hassling yeah, them yeah, yeah. and it's gross and it grosses me out so although I am a single free you know man about yeah, town yeah. I like 
like to do it in a way that's respectful of course and you know has an element of old fashioned sensibility about it I'm yeah, very old fashioned yeah. in my courting you know yeah yeah courting cool. <laughs> yeah. as well I like to have a chaperone <laughs> with the girl <laughs> not that far <laughs> I get through 20 coats a week I can <laughs> yeah, put them yeah. over puddles <laughs> That doesn't happen anymore, does it? Of course, no, the coats are expensive, man. <laughs> I'm not putting my coat. Listen, no disrespect to anyone, but I'm not putting my coat on the floor. No, I probably wouldn't either, to be fair. They used to be the thing as well, didn't they, that guys would always walk on the roadside of the, the curves yes. to protect from passing traffic. Yeah, and I still and little do, things I like do that, that, I do, man. yeah. Yeah, I know. And it, it, this is the thing I'm struggling with at the minute, is that like being, on the, being on a train or public transport and then you see uh, a woman gets on and my instinct is to stand up and give them the seat. And that's out of just just old fashioned. Yeah, not respect. that you think that they're weak and no, inferior, of course not. and somehow it's just been put yeah. into me that yeah. that's what you open you do. doors for women and elderly yeah, people, yeah, just yeah, little yeah. things like that. Yeah, I mean, and that, and it, and it, so when I'm on the say I'm on the tube, and this happens a lot now. Like people get on, and you and you sit there and you go right, yeah, well, you know, we're all equal now. I don't have to stand up and give you the seat, but inside me, I'm like fighting every year to go Holding oh back. my god because I've done it a couple of times I have stood up and gone do you want my seat and, and they've looked no. at you like yeah go, All right. well that's the world we're in now isn't yeah. it and that's fine but yeah, that's fine, it's, yeah I'm doing it from a place of generosity not a place of exactly. it's not I'm power yeah. yeah but yeah you do get that now don't you like unless they're pregnant I, I never offer up a seat <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I don't. I don't want to get the scorn of some woman who's like thinks I'm disrespecting her by offering her a seat. And it's very difficult when that's happened. So you can't sit back down. You have to walk off. Yeah, so of then course. Someone, so then some other dude jumps in. Yeah, seat. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you're on a pack train. You literally have to just sort of stand there. And and you like, got about nine push stops. Push yourself out. Yeah. Like, why did I give that up? It's funny, oh, man. Oh God. I was doing a podcast with someone. I can't remember who it was, and he was saying to me that he opened a door for an old guy. I think it was in San Francisco. He was on tour, and he said that the old guy just burst into tears because he was like, nobody does that for me anymore. Like, you're the first person, the first stranger that showed me kindness in about 15 years. Mm. And he said this guy just broke down and started crying. Holy shit, man. Heartbreaking. What world does he live in? That's amazing. Well, a very cruel and unforgiving one, it seems. Shit, man. Then, see, I can't, I can't handle things like that. It, it breaks your heart, breaks doesn't it? It my heart, man. I was watching something earlier on, on YouTube, and it... You know, like it's like you're watching a video and then something else pops up. And goes, oh, you might want to watch this one. And it was I can't remember what it was, but it was, I was like, I can't, I can't watch this. This is too much. Yeah, I don't want. I know the world is hard. I don't want to see it. Oh God. So you're a sensitive soul like me, too then, Rich. Sensitive. I'm, I feel like I'm getting. I feel the older you get, the softer yeah, you get. Yeah, because I used to be. I was. I've always been sensitive, but not, but not overly. Like I could kind of shut things out. Now, I think since since having counselling and since trying to sort my shit out and be less of a dick I seem to have tapped into something a well that, that I can't should never have been yeah, opened like, oh yeah. god I've got these like holes in the dam now that I'm trying to plug with my fingers <laughs> I've got enough fingers and now I'm just everything just breaks my heart it must be hard for someone like yourself as well. You touched on this in your routine last night, which was fantastic, by the way. Thanks, it was man. a pleasure. I appreciate that. Pleasure watching you work the Busted room like my a master. Ass you were great, like, man. Everybody uh, loved you by the end of it. By the end, they were stone cold at the top. They were. They were. <laughs> really stone cold. I haven't experienced that for a long time where you walk out to a room and go, how are you doing? And the whole room just, just stone stares. faces on the yeah, front row. Man. Well, it's Birmingham, honestly. If anybody listening to this is from Birmingham, please don't take offence because I've lived here my whole life, so I feel like I'm in a position to comment. And every tour that I do, the yeah. sales are always the lowest in Birmingham. Really? And the crowds are always just the most nonchalant, like 
impress me, motherfucker. Right. And it's almost like they don't even want to get into the, the mood yeah, of it and the spirit right. of it. It's like, well, why pay to go out yeah. and experience this live entertainment, whether it's comedy or music or whatever it is, and then refuse to give yourself into the momentum of the moment and yeah, lose yeah, yourself yeah. in the whole vibe of it. And Birmingham is one of the worst places in all of the UK for right. that. Right. Do, do you think it's why there's not been like, well, we talked last night yes. about there not being a, there's not been a cultural explosion out of Birmingham. Like you have movements like Manchester, Liverpool, London, or wherever, you know. Yeah. There hasn't really been anything Birmingham. Dude, every band that plays here, and I go to a lot of rock and metal shows because yeah. that's my sort of world, but every band that plays here is like, Birmingham, the home of heavy metal, Black Sabbath. And yeah. you're like, yeah, that's great, but they formed 50 years ago. <laughs> and we've been dining out on that for <laughs> half a century now. And Duran Duran were from Birmingham, but they never make any no. mention of it. Yeah, they lost their accents pretty of quickly. Of course they well. did. Yeah, you know, yeah. They're like, we're on a boat in fucking Rio. Like, we don't want to know about Birmingham. <laughs> and then you obviously had the two-tone movement in Coventry, but again, that's 40 years ago now. Right, you yeah. had Ocean Colour Sea, in the 90s but in the last 20 years the streets but even Mike Skinner unless you know he's a Brummie you would think oh that's a London band that's right do you yeah. know what I mean he talks about well yeah you know, yeah you get me fam like yeah, he very yeah, much he's talks like Brown's that Green and he's yeah, talking yeah. about like, oh, right, okay. yeah, so yeah. there's really been nothing that's rejuvenised the city in a way that something like the Hacienda did for Manchester yeah. or even like Sheffield with that brilliant electro movement in that's the right, 80s man. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's culturally very lacking and the one thing that it does have at the moment which is cool is Peaky Blinders yes. and that sort of made Birmingham cool again yeah 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 but that's obviously set a couple hundred years ago. Do you know what I mean? So it's like we still need something new and current there and needs fresh. To be, we need to sort of try and dig into... Like even Bristol's had a... Bristol's an amazing Bristol, city. Yeah, man, the crowd's must, yeah. there. I'm sure it's the same for comedy. It's always one of the best cities I play when I'm on a DJ absolutely tour. Absolutely brilliant. My son's just moved to... My eldest son's just moved to Bristol. It's one of my favourite cities in the yeah. UK, man. <clears throat> and my missus is from there, Jay. Oh, is she? Yeah, man. Oh, right on. Joe, I think I mentioned her on every one of these. <laughs> Wait, she's your better half. Keeping, you her, keeping her in, keeping her in. I was going to ask you, though, about... You were talking about sensitivity a moment yeah, ago. Yeah, I know this Sorry, is your yeah. podcast, so I'm not No, man, this you, is what I know, because you do your own <laughs> podcast. It's going to be interviewing each other. I'm throwing it back. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're obviously from a culture, and you mentioned it last night in your routine, where you're friends with a lot of tough guys, and you obviously look like a bloke, a geezer, yes, you know right, what I mean? Yeah. So I guess there's an assumption when people meet you, if they don't know you, that you're like a hard man, tough guy. Yeah. So do you find a, that yeah. that's a bit of a struggle? To, to, they make certain assumptions. I've, I've talked about this before. Where they, where they assume the first question I'm always asked, "What's your football team?" Right. Yeah. Because they just assume that you're go, a yeah, yeah, you're probably go, not. Yeah. Are you? Do you want a fag? Do you, do you, <laughs> want, a, do you want a? Do you want? What's your team? That's the two questions I always get. And when I go, I don't smoke. I don't see the point. And blah 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 blah. And then I go, uh, I don't follow football. And they're like, I what? It, yeah, I find it grotesque. Yeah. They're like what? I go, I, I don't see the point in it. And then they go, yeah, but yeah, but. Well, what are you into? Yeah, yeah. What do you That's do? always the question. Yeah, like, well, yeah, what yeah. do you like? You're yeah. like art, like everything music. else, mate. Yeah. <laughs> everything. So much stuff. And I'm, I went when I was growing up. I went. More, I tried with the football, but I went more into the music side of stuff. And I, you know, I'm, I was obsessed with vinyl and going to see bands and you know, and, and you know, I used to get such a buzz going to see like, the Wonder stuff and yeah, yeah. people like that. Well, they're actually playing in Birmingham tonight. Is that Larry Nids? Is that the? Is that it's the... it's popularly itself. Um, I think the Wonder Stuff and maybe one of the guys from Ned is doing a DJ set. Right, and it's called Massive. Love from Stourbridge Tour. Yeah, right. It's a package bill. They're playing in Digbeth tonight. Fuck! It's a shame you've got a gig only got you in. <laughs> That's, you know where the pub we were in last night, yeah. the venue where they're playing is directly opposite that. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's called Digbeth, is it? Down That's there? Digbeth, yeah. That's right. the only area of Birmingham that has a slight artsy yeah. cultural See, alternative. I've not feel. known that in the 
15 years I've been coming to Birmingham. And that's where that Cal Vintage shop is that yeah. you spotted last night and as well. Ne- yeah. I, the first time I came, I, and I've been looking for that for ages. And not hard enough, obviously. No, <laughs> I'm like, it's got to be here. Yeah. Oh, maybe it closed down. Because no. there's an area in there called the Custard Factory, and that used to be yeah, a very right. famous like rave hub. Yeah. And there was a pool in the middle of it, and the whole complex would just get taken over with a night called Flashback, which is like cool. drum and bass. Uh, that was never my scene growing up, but it was very much a part of the culture at that time because mm. drum and bass alongside punk and new metal and those things was culturally pre- like prevalent everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was the ecstasy generation. Of, oh, but that, that, I was a lot more alcohol and guitar music. That yeah, was, man. That was my vibe growing <laughs> up. We and, uh, yeah, it's a sensitivity. And this is why me, when I... When, like people listen to this podcast and they hear me talking about crying and things like that and someone that sounds like me sounds like a mechanic I sound like a, <laughs> sound like I've, you know, I, know, I sound like a racist well you obviously <laughs> yeah. know your stuff about cars as well because that guy in the front row last night I said was, his job and I've got no idea what that job I was is but you were straight in there yeah, oh motors yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's the, that's how I hang on to my man card is the is the is the car I love cars okay so that's love, the one card you can play yeah, yeah. I can do that. I, mean, I don't even know how they work. I don't. I don't care. I like the sound of a classic car. I like a big V8. And I like the look of them. So aesthetically brilliant. But I couldn't sit here and have a chat with you about pistons and right, right. Well, I don't even drive. Car. I have a license. Do you not? So, no. I took one <laughs> test. I know, right? I'm a bloke. Are you? I took one test, failed, and then went to university. And then my theory ran out. And I just thought, you know what? I don't need a car. I don't want to contribute more to world pollution. And, no. and I'm not having to go at anyone driving. You know, obviously people need cars to get around. But I have just always been in you know fortunate position where I've lived in places that have great public transport. Yeah, right. So you know, in 20 minutes, I can be in Birmingham City centre from my yeah. village um, my village storage goes direct to London obviously I'm moving back to London in a couple of weeks the last thing you want in London is a car oh god <laughs> honestly I dread driving into London I had to do it the other day because Jade needed to be in there and transport was fucked and you, you can't just nip in you can't nip in because you'll get trapped it takes it's, it's a fucking nightmare so yeah you did the right thing you did the right thing what about you I mean you're are you would you consider yourself to be you know sense you know you're sort of emotionally you know plugged in yeah very much so um I talk about this when I'm a guest on other podcasts a lot, so apologies if people have heard me on others and I'm going over <laughs> old ground. But um, my mum has bipolar okay. and has had it for the majority of her life. She comes from a family that it runs in, and her auntie had it, and her grandma had it, and her grandma sadly killed herself, hung herself. Shit, man. Uh, and my mum's father, my granddad, found her hanging in the barn in the farm that what? they lived on when he was five years old. Oh, my God. Um, so it's it's a disease that's very much in my mum's side of the family. And my mum was well up until the age of about 25, I want to mm, say. Yeah. I think she was always quite vulnerable and delicate. Yeah. As often people who have mental illness are, yeah. they're just a bit more vulnerable to the cruelty of the world, you know? They can't bounce back from things as easily. Yeah. And... A similar sort of thing happened to my mum around then. So I was around four at the time, and uh, my mum was pregnant with an, another child, and mm. it was a girl, and her name was Julia, and she was born with really bad health complications. So okay. after about a month, she passed away. She died. Wow. Um, and I'm a little bit too young to really... I remember the day that she was born, but I t- thankfully, I must have just blocked it out because it's traumatic, but I don't remember the funeral. But you've got to imagine 
how horrible and heartbreaking it must have been for my parents to have buried, you know, like a mm, one-month-old yeah, child yeah, yeah. in a tiny little casket. Oh, dude, yeah. It's worse than a miscarriage or a stillborn yeah, yeah, because yeah. they come into this world alive and, you, yeah, you know, you're excited for yeah. this new addition to the family, but then it's snatched from you. Well, I, I used to work in a funeral director's, one of the many jobs that I've had, and the what blew me away was you have to, you have to, you have to go in and collect... Uh, the body of um, uh, uh, you know an unborn baby, or you know, a baby, you know and it didn't and it didn't matter how small they were, the level of respect that was there. Like we'd go in, and he got the funeral director would be with you, and he'd take off his hat and he'd bow, and I'd stand by the door, and you'd go in, and then there's a then the, the the whoever it is, the the doctor they do they they say a few words over you know sometimes it was as big as an envelope, just this like this, Tiny creature, yeah. And then they and then they say a few words, and then they they bow, and then they take it, and then they come over to you, and then they put it in a box that you've got that you're holding, and it's in like it looks, it looks like a toolbox sort of thing. So mm. it doesn't, you don't, so it doesn't. Other people on the outside can't see what you're what you're doing. And then you go out, and then it's the, the whole thing. This, there's a proper ceremony, and there's a proper send off, and and it's it's beautiful. It's tragic. But it's beautiful because of the level of respect. Yeah. And I saw that. I saw. I remember being at a funeral and it was a tiny, tiny coffin of a baby, and absolutely broke me in t- in two. You know. So you can't imagine it. Can and you? that's a, and that's someone I don't even know. Yeah. So to yeah, be yeah. someone that you're connected to must have been must have been so traumatic. Yeah. I mean, well, that was the beginning of the end of my parents' relationship oh, for sure wow. because they were unable to Just grieve together. And, and my mum, from as long as I can remember. For many, many, many years, thankfully, Touchwood, she's been well now for about eight years. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is because, um, what do women call it when they're... Well, the menopause. Yeah. yeah. So I think now because of that, that's a large part of it. Because whenever she would have breakdowns, I think they'd be very much in time with her cycle. Because obviously it's all connected, isn't course, it? And it's that yeah. memory of this lost life. And so I'd say three or four times a year, every year, for my whole childhood teenage young adult life she was in institutions and psychiatric wards for a few weeks at a time just because it got to the point where she'd be off on absolute flights of mania and would just get in the car and Mm. drive and be gone and this is before mobiles so she'd be out there in the world and the the level of worry and anxiety that we'd feel because we didn't know whether she was going to come back alive do you know what i mean we didn't know whether she was going to do something to herself on purpose or by accident and obviously when people are in that much of a removed from reality frame of mind the last thing they should be doing is operating a vehicle um so we'd have to just section her for her own safety and protection yeah and so that was my life my whole life was you know every few weeks every few months for a couple of weeks at a time visiting my mum in these wards that you know it wasn't a private ward it Mm. was a public one so it was filled with some pretty sketchy people you know not to disrespect any of them because they were all obviously unwell as well but like dangerous people and and frightening people for a young mind to deal with and have to confront you know and i'd see my mum in with these people and be like that's my mum you know this is this kind caring sweet she shouldn't be here she shouldn't be here with these people but then they've obviously got their story too and so I've always been exposed to the harsh reality mm. of life and that's not made me bitter or cynical at all. In fact, the opposite, it's made me full of hope and positivity and oh, love man. and kindness. But yeah, I'd certainly say that I'm a delicate flower. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what, yeah, that's, that. you know, you either, you either, 
find a way to deal with what's gone on and rise above and and use it use that power for good in a, you know for want of a better phrase but or other people that aren't it just depends on how you are as a human being inside isn't it it's some people just, it will just crush them yeah and they'll never get past it and they'll just be depressed forever and they'll see no point in in existing you go well, well life's fucked my mum couldn't even cope so why what chance do i have whereas it shows strength of character in you that you've gone no i will I've, i can see the beauty in the world is we're all walking we're all hanging by a thread really and we're yeah. all on the edge yeah and that's fine um i think as as long as you accept and acknowledge that mm. that's the first step towards coping with it and yeah. dealing with it um and i went through a phase i mentioned this briefly downstairs so i'll tell you like the full story yeah. um so i was working on kerrang radio in birmingham i was 20 Three to 27, so my mid-twenties was, you know, the greatest you could ever imagine. I yeah. was on this amazing radio station with over a million listeners a year. I was interviewing my heroes on a daily basis. That's an incredible From guess. Slash to yeah. Nikki Six, Ozzy Osbourne, Alice Cooper, the list is endless. All of them, almost everybody that I would have ever wanted to have interviewed, I have and did then, 10 yeah. years ago. Um, and it was the dream gig. But what happened was, and this has been a trend in the last few years, particularly with the rock music press, mm. is rock is not a popular or dominant cultural art form at the moment. You know, it's yeah. all urban music, grime, hip hop That's and it. pop. Uh, and the last, I think, great guitar period was probably in the mid noughties with the likes of The Hives, The Strokes, The That's White right. Stripes, yes. Arctic Monkeys a little bit later on, yeah. and Kasabian. Well, Arctic but Monkeys were sort of like the tail end of it, weren't they? They were the tail yeah. end of it, and the, them and Kasabian are probably the last two British big guitar bands. You can't think Royal Blood to some extent, but yeah. they're nowhere near as iconic. That whole, yeah, there's a whole lot of idols and things like that, those bands, but they kind of seem isolated there's no sort of there's no scene yeah yeah there's no collective like then there'd be four or five bands of a similar thing yeah, at a time yeah, yeah. and then the pressure and it was, a, get and it was it. wave after wave after yeah. wave you'd have grunge and then it was punk and then it was new metal and then it was the garage rock revival and, and then kind of nothing and so the money's going out of that industry and what happened with kerrang is obviously it's a commercial radio station so it's based entirely on advertisement mm. and that's what they need to exist but nobody would want to invest in it because they're like oh we'd sooner give our money to kiss or capital oh, yeah. uh, or these stations that are playing popular music that are in the charts that people are actually listening to and it's mm. you know prevalent within the culture of the here and the now and kerrang was always seen as a bit of an unfashionable throwback you know right cash hole like they don't just want to throw their money in there and see no return yeah so the station closed down it still exists it's an online station still but the station in birmingham closed down it came off fm they let a load of people go i was one of the people to let go i guess it was like last in mm. first out kind of a scenario because i was very much the new kid there so i went from being the host of the evening show that was the other thing it was my first job in the industry yeah, right. my first job in radio was hosting the evening show Holy on shit. Kerrang radio yeah. to like 180,000 listeners a week I had. wow man prestigious and every night i'd be going out like this hotel i've pied in here with the raconteurs with deftones yeah, right. like because the academy's right around the corner yeah. so my life was like i'd do the show then after the show i'd go down to a gig catch the last half an hour take the band out be in bars like the one we were in last night with the band showing them the town yeah, yeah. you know girls like i was single so i was living the proper jack the lad like great lifestyle <laughs> and then the station closes and it's taken from me shit and i wasn't prepared because it came from out of nowhere and, and it was sudden as well it was Just... sudden and it was basically the most crushing and brutal thing and at the time, it seemed like my life was over. What it seemed like, I was 27 and I got this idea into my head. I was like, fine, maybe I'm just meant to be part of that 27 club. And I had this stupid romantic image that I was just going to go out because I couldn't 
face life. Everywhere I went in Birmingham, the question I would get from everyone is, so what are you up to now? Yeah, right. And my answer was, well, nothing. I've got nothing going on. And you'd sort of see people go, oh, right. Just and for, I saw for, a change. Yeah. Uh, people would treat me differently because I'm now no longer on the station exactly yeah. and you see the gross side of the entertainment industry then for what it is and, and I, it was mate, a harsh lesson to learn brutal how did you I felt like a ghost in my own life was what it felt like yeah. everywhere I went that's the guy that used to be on Kerrang oh, that's wow. what I hear people and say you're still young and, and I'm 27 yeah. and I feel like my life's over and everybody else that I was on the station with had wives partners they kept their jobs or they had something else to go into mm. so everybody else had something or someone yeah i didn't and none of my friends and this is no disrespect to any of them but none of them could understand what i was going through no, because no. you just can't until you've been in it like with anything in life until yeah. you've experienced something or something similar yourself yeah. you really don't know what it feels like so i basically spent every day for about nine months drunk out of my mind yeah, on right. drugs booze everything just numbing the pain out. blocking mm. yeah blocking it out completely and I was severely chronically depressed mm. and I was drinking to, to kill myself to die I didn't want to live really? you were just... and I wasn't going to commit suicide in a moment in an act but I wanted to You're die so I was just... going for the slow mm. drawn out approach and then one night I was in a bar till about 6am actually I'd been on tour with a band and uh, I'd come off that tour and that was like the first snapshot of uh, a continuation in that industry and hope was almost restored. But then the second I got back to Birmingham, it was, you know, just sucked out of me again. So I was in this bar till about 6am and I was so broke at the time, although I, as all alcoholics, yeah. somehow always find money well, for drink, I don't isn't, know how. isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> and so I always had money for booze, but I didn't have money for a taxi home. So I thought I'm going to wait till the first train. Mm. So I went to the station in Birmingham, Snow Hill, just over there. And the station was closed because it was about six and it was a Sunday. So yeah. it wasn't open till seven, right? And I don't clearly remember exactly what happened because I was blackout drunk, but I decided I was going to climb over the fence and break into the station and just sleep like on a bench on a platform right. until the first train. This is what a fucking car crash I was at yeah. the time. And my coat got caught on a spike on the top of the fence and I fell down. Basically, the fence was about as high as the ceiling of the room that we're in, Holy so shit, like 10 man. feet. Yeah, 10 so feet not insanely high, but Enough. I landed on my back on the tracks of the train track, like on the actual tracks, no. smash on my back and like passed out and woke what? up. I, I didn't know whether it was a minute later, an hour later. So I'm on the tracks and I'm like, fuck, is there going to be a train coming? So I go to get up, but I can't stand up because I've broken, I don't know this at the time, but I've broken like five ribs, uh, fractured my spine in three places. Oh my God. I can't stand up. I can't get up. So I'm trying to force myself up with my hands. I then break my wrist doing that. Jesus. So I'm just on these tracks, like trying to snake my body off and I'm screaming for help. Yeah. Thank whoever. Somebody was opening the station at this time and he heard my cries. Wow. So he came down and he was like, oh my God, what on earth are you like? What are you doing down there? Yeah. And I was like, I can't get up. I've injured myself. Please get an ambulance. Please yeah. like cancel the trains. And then again, I sort of passed out and I came to and I was being carried off the tracks in a stretcher. Thank whoever I got mm. off and, you know, wasn't sawn in half by an incoming train. Bloody hell, mate. So they take me to A&E and I get x-rayed and all of that. And again, all of this is a little bit blurry because I was still absolutely fucked up. Um, but they discharged me. What? They, they, they did a full x-ray and they would have seen all the damage because it was there. Yeah. But it was one guy, and this is the problem with the healthcare system in the UK. You know, the NHS is fantastic. Yes. And, you know, it's one of the best things that we have as a country. But it's also severely underfunded, understaffed. And there was one guy on his own at the end of a night shift and he was basically exhausted mm. and he missed, he just missed it. He missed, I don't know how, but he missed it and he discharged me. And I'm like, yeah, dude, wow. I know something's wrong with me. Yeah. I can feel it. So I had to walk out of there. 
So I walk out oh. of hospital with a broken back. What? I get in a cab. And this is the great irony. You have to yeah. see the comedy in it. I then have to get a cab home and pay for this cab home, oh, which if I'd have just done in the first place, I'd have never broken my fucking back. Oh, my God. Cruel irony. <laughs> so I call my mum and I'm like, mum, I'm in a really bad way. I don't want to, like, worry you, but I'm just, I've got to tell you I'm coming home and I'm in a really bad way, so can you and dad get round? And they, they were divorced for many, many years at this point, but they still spend a lot of time together. Yeah. And, and so I get to the house and I just, this was the moment I knew I was in a really bad way. I saw their reaction to me, their mm. face when they saw me yeah. was one of absolute distress and so they get a doctor around and they're like let's get a second opinion so a doctor comes around and does a check and she's like he seems fine if he's still feeling weird in a day mm. take him back to the hospital so and then my sister's home as well because it's Christmas time it's December 15th so I'm in bed in a double bed with my sister watching actually Sons of Anarchy yeah. spoiler alert the episode where um, Gemma kills Tara so this gnarly episode my sister's never seen the show before and she's like what the fuck and what happened was right my ribs had cracked and punctured my lung so although all my spine was fucked the worst thing was that my broken ribs had punctured my lung and I was drowning in my own blood but obviously nobody knew it because you can't see it happening so my sister basically called mum and dad and she was like, Matt's dying. Like he seems like mm. he's, and I was actually dying because I was drowning and I was like hours away apparently. So again, I sort of come to and I'm being carried out of the house in a stretcher in a, an ambulance and I get to another hospital. We go to a different one. I was like, I'm not going back no, to, no, no. I won't say the hospital, but I went to a different one and there's this German guy there and he's got big hands like yours and he basically <laughs> cuts my side open. He's in there with these massive hands and I'm screaming like, fuck. Yeah, and in a classic German way, he's like, you must not swear. Like, so there's me. <laughs> just suffering in silence this is the because... moment that swearing was invented yeah yeah I'm yeah gonna... if ever there's yeah. a time that swearing is allowed it's got to be now when you're now. ripping me open and he puts this tube in so it can drain the blood and then they take me to a third hospital which is a spinal specialist uh, ward the QE Queen Elizabeth and then that's where they figured out you've got three spinal fractures Jesus. the option is either we cut your entire back open down the middle mm. open it up and then put some scaffolding in to rebuild or we allow you to let the body to heal conservatively, which basically means you'll just have to lie flat on your back in bed for three months. And we got a few different opinions and I was like, I don't want three months in bed, I want the operation. And my parents were like, we'll go with what you want. And then on the day, and you have to go nil by mouth before a big operation, so yeah. no food's allowed. So I'm there in bed, tube coming out of me, just in the worst state you can imagine. My body's in bits. Mm. I'm not allowed to eat because of this operation. And then they cancel the operation. They pull out because they're afraid and they're just, they're not right. confident enough. And that obviously introduces the element of doubt big time. So we said, all right, we're not going to have the operation. If you're not confident enough, then yeah. that raises some alarms. So in the end, I did the conservative treatment. So I spent three months on my back. I had to obviously ring a bell every time I needed to take a wee or have a poo and get a nurse to come and what? help me do it. And the other thing was I didn't actually take a shit for 15 days because either of the shock had sent my like organs into shutdown mode or I was on so much morphine, it's yeah. a constipator. So my tummy oh was my like God, a fucking so drum. a bag of shit inside I was, It you. was the worst. And so, yeah, I spent, long story short, three months in bed. Thankfully, I had visitors almost every day. And But the long sort of moral of the story is that it made me so aware of the fragility of life mm. and how special and important being able to walk mm. and go to the bathroom on your own. Like, you yeah. have no ego left. No. And I came out of it almost like it was a spiritual rebirth because I thought I almost threw away my life over a job. Mm. Ultimately, that's what it was. It was yeah. my lifestyle around it, and the it was everything, wasn't it? The you snatch were, yeah. that crushed me. But ultimately, I fucked my life up, or almost took my own life because of a, a job. Mm. And then I realised no job is worth that. Nothing mm. is that important. Friends, family, and health 
are all that we have in this world that really matters. And it taught me that. It taught me that lesson in such a profound way that everything that's happened to me since, and there's been some hard times since, and I have, you know, dark days, of course, like everyone, course, but yeah. anything that's happened to me, I'm like, I came out of that, I can walk. Yeah. And the look on my mum, dad, and sister's faces through that whole period, I saw the pain that I caused them. Mm. And I just thought, if I'd have taken my life, it would have ruined theirs. Yeah. And I'm not having a go at anybody who takes their own life, because obviously if you can't carry on... No, I under- never despair. I understand, yeah. but it's it's a very selfish decision because there's going to be repercussions. Unless you're just on your own in this world and there's no one, then I can understand. But if you have a family or friends, that's going to ruin their life. And so that taught me that lesson as well. And so really, although it sucked and it (laughs) fucking hurt, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me in my entire life. Wow, man. It just goes to show that you didn't really want to kill yourself after all that. You were just... Life's too precious. Yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This show is made by Dark Horse Digital. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production. Comedy yeah. got me through some of the really shit times in hospital. Yeah, right. Like you have to laugh at the facts. Like um, a very quick story that I'll tell real quick is because I couldn't open my bowels for fourteen days for whatever reason. Dude, you must I was have been having so much. Pain. I was having enemas. I was having laxatives, <laughs> and none of it was working. Right? Fantasized about putting a spoon up there. It was just Boxing to... <laughs> Day that I finally did it, and I remember I was like, all I want for Christmas this year is to shit. <laughs> And when you go through that for a thought process, you realise that any other wants or material things that you fucking obsess over, like if your greatest hope in life is that you fucking take a dump on Christmas Day, then you know you see the absurdity of it all. And this is, I'm sure that my sister, if she's listening to this, will not appreciate this story being told, but this is what happened. After two weeks, Christmas came and went and no Christmas miracle for Matt. So I was like, I've got to take matters into my own hands. So I go, guys, close the curtains around the bed. Helena, my sister, you'll look out. Mum, dad, this is what I need you to do. We're going to deliver this shit like a baby. (laughs) And I got my mum and dad to get a leg each and lift it up. Not so high that it caused any trauma on the back because obviously I had to keep the back flat. But lifting my legs up in the air, spread them apart. So that's their view. <laughs> it's some kind of I fucked up re- reverse circle of life. Oh and my I, God. Because 
that's the thing is, you know, when you open your body in that way, that's why pregnant people open their legs. Yeah. And, you know, you don't just have your legs like slightly open. No. They're wide open. Wide. And honestly, my mum was like, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Keep pushing. Keep pushing. I can see his head. And honestly, dude, this river, this river of shit came flooding out of me. Two weeks worth of oh back rub, food, poison. Like busted sewer pipe. And it was wicked. And she's like, it's still going. It's still going. And my sister like, deflating. shh. I was. Because my stomach was like a fucking drum. It was up here. And then it just started going down and down. And the whole bed was just a river of shit and I was like right ring I had to ring the bell <laughs> oh my god and the nurse bless her like and I have to give the biggest shout out to all nurses and paramedics and people who work in that field because the stuff they have to do yeah. for such crap pay is oh. so admirable and she was like yes you've done it you've done it you've only put your bells it was just like a ward party is it not a bell for that like when you cure cancer <laughs> yeah, yeah. ding you get... ding 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 and so that and you know I laugh I look back and I laugh and we all as a family laugh about that to this day and it's those moments that you know comedy and you know we can talk about what you do True, and yeah. it allows you to see the absurd in life. Yeah. But then that shows again who you are as a person, how you how you deal with like all manner of shit like that. And from the sound of it, you seem to have coped brilliantly with some fucking horrendous stuff. And you what is it you said to me yesterday? Did you, you you say you're quite OCD? Yeah, uh, not to a point where I have to like, you know, no. open and close like dating my friend from Dirty Sanchez is really OCD and yeah, right. you know, that's that's that, debilitating. It, it is. Yeah. And a lot of people struggle like day-to-day life must be a struggle for people with real OCD so I don't want to claim that I've got like the you know the extreme like I'm just like everything to be in order yeah so if we go like you said just so if we go off on tangents in conversation this is what you pointed out to me we have to come back to what we were talking about. Yes. Otherwise, you lose your shit. Yeah. You're like, you're like, no, no, no. We were talking about blah blah, and I've not, and it's brilliant because you know. Anyway, we were talking about. Blah, blah, and you go, and <laughs> yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. And that must have been really good for you as an interviewer on your show. What the accident and that experience, no, or the OCD? No, no, stuff. the OCD, like being able to to remember where you what you were talking Keep about it on and track. come back to it. Yeah. yeah, that must have been a great skill. Well, and the accident actually. So before then, interviewing was always my favourite part about broadcasting. Like yeah. I always was a fairly competent presenter, yeah. but I was always a lot better when I had somebody in the room with me bouncing off them, yeah. whether that was a co-host or it was an interview scenario. And so that was always the area of the the medium that I was the most in love with. Mm. And so after Kerrang! And so after the accident, right, I was in like a, a body brace and I after three months or so, like came home and I was in this brace for a while and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I need a job. I'm getting back in the industry. I'm getting back in the game. So I got myself an interview with Classic Rock Magazine. And at the time they had a radio station as well called Team Rock Radio and I went down to London on the train because it was important for me to face that yeah. fear you know I didn't want to then be afraid to ever get a train again because of what of had course, happened yeah. so I go and I get you go tra- through the gate this time right, it was a different station so yeah there's none of that <laughs> have you been back there no, I've been, been back there I didn't go back there for a long time because yeah. it was a place that had a lot of heaviness surrounding yeah, course, it man. so I went I actually went back there a year to the day I consciously yeah. waited and went back a year to the day and had half an hour just sat on the platform and you know just yeah. thinking about and everything that, time that had happened built up so much so much weight would have been put on yeah, completely. It was like a yeah. cloud hanging over me for a long time, and I wanted to leave it exactly a year against that OCD mm. thing. I'm like, exactly a year. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I got the train to London in my body brace, navigated my way around the tubes, went yeah, for right. this interview. I was only like a week out of hospital at this point, and got a job presenting on Team Rock. So straight back in the game. Moved to, moved to London. I was like, I'm having it. I, yeah. not, not only did I have an, uh, like a whole newfound lust for life, but I was like, I'm, I'm motivated <coughs> now to not be a self-pitying, wallowing sap. 
and mm. I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to get shit done and I'm going to get back it. in the game. And so I started doing a show on there called Soundtrack Apocalypse and the format of that was basically Desert Island Discs, but a sort of rock take on right, it. Okay. So instead of going onto a nice island, the world's going to end because of a zombie apocalypse or nuclear holocaust or whatever, and you have to come and live out the rest of your days below ground in a bunker, and with you, you get to bring five songs wow. as the soundtrack to End of Days. Yeah, yeah. And then that would form a larger in-depth discussion about everything, the guest life and career. And that was where I really started to develop and hone my interview See, chops. Yeah. And then when that station closed down, so that station closed as well, and I lost my job there after a year. But that time I was like, yeah, you, you know it. what I'm like I'm not going to get hung up on a job ever again so fuck it and then I just went freelance and have been completely yeah. self-employed since then so about three years now Wow! but that's really where I cultivated the the skills to sit down and connect yeah. with people and the-, and the accident and all the stuff and obviously you have that as your specific topic with this podcast mm. but I find that being somebody who's exper- like experienced a lot of that stuff pain heartache you can talk to people a lot more openly yes. about the good and the bad and so you get a lot more out of people than just how's the tour of course yeah right tell me yeah. about the new album yeah, like yeah. the same old shit that people get asked when they're on those press schedule like promotional of fucking course. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. sell so our new products and I never talk from? about the new album if it's great I will but you know I want to talk about their life the journey so far and so all my guests really have to be of a certain age yeah. and have to have been in the game for a certain amount of time because you know I'm talking to them for an hour so yeah. if it's a you know, brand new band with two songs out they're not going to have an hour's worth of stories unless they've had quite an exceptional life outside of that and so yeah that's why the podcast is called Life in the Stocks because it's me Matt Stocks chatting to people about life (laughs) but it's excellent and the guests you've had are incredible you know Johnny Johnny Rotten man that that, that was a coup. My God, because he doesn't do he doesn't do things like that, does he? He doesn't do a lot of interviews, no, and he certainly doesn't do a lot of like independent no. underground podcasts. No. Certainly not. And uh, my, I've got to say a huge thank you to my friend Tony Cook for that one. Uh, he called me one day, and he's like proper, like affable, yeah. friendly, big northern guy. Actually, he's lost quite a lot of weight in the last few years, but he used to be really rotund and just like a big jolly <laughs> fat guy, right? And he's like, "Hey, Matt." How do you fancy an interview with John Lydon? And I was like, does the Pope fuck kids? (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) And so he hooked me up and he got me. I was like, I'll get you 45 minutes. I can't get you an hour, but I'll get you 45 minutes. You'll be the last interview of the day. It's at his hotel room in Chelsea. And if you've heard it, if anyone listening to this has heard it, if if you haven't, check it out. But uh, I start recording from the moment I walk in his hotel room. Yeah. And it's him there and he's like... I'm John. He's Rambo. And he's like just in character. He's got yeah. an orange jumpsuit on. So he looks like a fucking prison inmate. He's smashed. He's clearly wasted. There's yeah. ed- empty Corona bottles everywhere. Yeah. And we go out on the balcony. We do it out there. And we're just chain smoking. I bummed a few cigarettes off him over the course of the chat. And I think that's what endeared me to him. He was like, oh, this guy's all right. You know, yeah. he's, he's not one of them. And I got one of the best interviews, I think, out of him that I've ever heard. And I say that without arrogance, like mm. objectively. Uh, just he showed his sensitive side, his intelligent side, his vulnerable sides. And I humanized him. And that's what I always try and do. Gene Simmons is another person who has a certain reputation, like yes. John. He's an easy target for a lot of like the PC police that say, well, he said this, I hate that mm. cunt. It's like, well, no, a lot of the time they're in character and that's a defense for them. And it's easier than showing their true selves. And people misconstrue their words and they take them out of context. And so I'm like, I want to get to the heart of who these people are. And that's always my goal. And with John and Gene, I really humanized both of them and got really quite profound chats out of them. And they showed that there's so much more than what people see in the media. You know, the character. Yeah. And so that's always the goal. But yeah, John was episode 10, so it was pretty early on. I've just put out episode 100, so I've finished wow, season one. Man. 
Uh, but that was episode 10, yeah. and he was my dream guest. He was literally my <laughs> dream guest. after that? I mean, exactly. <laughs> I was like, for fuck's sake, how am I going to top that? So Iggy Pop is the new dream guest. Oh, so. wow, man. And I, I'm very much a believer in, like, manifesting your hopes, right? So if you say them out loud, yeah, then they come yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, you know. Dude, I'll tell you what, though. Since doing, doing this podcast, people, because they can see what you're doing... Well, it all materialises, yeah. doesn't it? Snowballs. Go, oh, yeah, go on in. I'll do that. Yeah. Well, John opened the door to Sean Ryder, to Alan McGee, <coughs> to Amazing, Steve Diggle man. from Buzzcocks, because because he is, as you say, a guy who doesn't do a lot of that. Yeah. He doesn't fuck with people unless he really wants to, unless yeah, he's interested yeah, yeah. or uh, impressed. And as soon as I did Sean, we're chatting, and Sean's like, Sean Ryder from Happy Mondays, he's like, the only reason I did Celebrity, I'm a celebrity, get me out of the jungle, is because John Lydon did it. Yeah, right. If it's good enough for John, it's good enough there for me. Go. That's why I'm doing this podcast. And he said that oh, in wow, the interview. Wow, man. And he very kindly, uh, you know those shortlist interviews where it's five minutes with and people say their favourite book, film, yes. podcast. Uh, Sean Ryder did one of them and he said in it, favourite podcast, Life in the Stocks. Amazing. Matt's a great interviewer. I, I listened to the John Lydon one. I liked it so much. I agreed yeah. to do it too. Perfect. And then we, we ended up doing a live Q&A in Manchester, me and Sean. And we've you know I saw that. developed a bit of a yeah. relationship. And- oh, he's a mate. Sean Ryder... Is I nearly did a show in Edinburgh a few years back called Sean Ryder Saved My Life. Right. Because in the 80s, I was always, I've said this to someone else before, I was the music that my dad had. So we, I was always very lucky to have the Stones and Dylan and shit like that. And we'll probably talk about this on yours. Fuck yeah. But Sean Ryder was someone that just changed everything for me, changed my life. So I've got him, he's up there for me. He's like, you know, he's the boy, you know. And, and what I like about him is that he doesn't fuck about, like Lydon, like. They're like the people that we like. They don't. If you manage to get a chat with them, it's because they've gone. All right, yeah, you're not a fucking idiot. You're legit. Idiot. Yeah, you're not an idiot. And that to me is. Well, yeah. it was great because after John was Steve Diggle and uh, Sean Ryder, and then Sean was like, "Oh, you should chat to Alan for this." I was like, "Would he do it?" He's like, "Yeah, Alan would do it." So then through Sean, I got Alan. Wow. And then I was hoping that through Alan, I'd manage to get one of the Gallagher brothers. Oh, yeah. but Alan McGee, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, he's not so much in touch with them anymore, so that hasn't yet happened. <laughs> but Liam would be another dream guest. Not so much right. Noel. I've interviewed Noel before, and he was a spiky little bastard, as you'd imagine he would be. Yeah. But I imagine he looked yeah. at me and was like, "This 24-year-old for Kerrang." You know, it's not really on the level of where he's at. But Liam, I was sat in the Kerrang! studios one day. He came in to do an interview with one of my colleagues. And I just had my headphones on, head down, and was just editing an interview or something at my desk. And I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I turn around, and it's Liam. And he's right there in my face. He's like, that's a fucking nice jumper that is, mate. Where'd you get that? Where'd you get that jumper, man? And I was like, oh, this is just a little top man number, Liam. He's like, nice one, man, nice one. So he he goes into the studio and does the interview. And then my boss comes and sits down next to me and he's doing a bit of work on his computer because his desk was next to mine. About half an hour later, Liam comes out of the interview and he comes back over to me and he's like, all right, mate, good to see you. Yeah, take care. Right, you know, take it easy. Wow. My boss is like, what the fuck's going on there? I was like, it's just our oh, kid, mate, like that. Yeah, just Thick as thick as thieves. <laughs> and I love Liam. I think it's actually Noel who said it. He's like, the difference between them is Liam is a dog and he's a cat. Yeah. And that's very much a metaphor for their personalities. Liam is a lot more... Just boundless energy, friendly. Yeah, what you see is what you get. Noel's a bit more sly. He's a bit more standoffish. Yeah, and, but he's obviously that. the older brother, and I guess he had to be the protector, didn't he, when their dad walked oh, out man, on him? Yeah, and so that's, something, they, that's something that Noel doesn't talk about. Noel always says, yeah. didn't affect me like that. Bottles I'm, it up. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to write songs about that. So I'm not going to all these angsty Almost songs. because he's pissed off at his dad, and he doesn't want to give him the time exactly of day. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, would you, would you, what would you see yourself, dog or cat? Um, I'd see myself as a dog, I think. Yeah. But then there's a lot of elements to me where I'm, you know, I'm a bit, oh, I'm a massive deep thinker. And, you know, when you were saying last night you couldn't get to sleep till five, mm. I'm like that pretty much every night. Really? Like, thankfully, I was 
getting home at six in the morning on the first train so, this yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I was I was out like a light as soon as my t- head touched the pillow but I am one of those guys because my brain is 100 miles an hour all day and obviously when you're spending all day sending out emails like where's this conversation at what's going on with that conversation because I'm constantly trying to get gigs and get guests of course yes so you're always like you, your brain's a spider web and there's a million and one things happening yeah. at once and so when I finally get into bed and I never really go to bed before one anyway but even mm-hmm. then I get in there and I'm just like, oh, I just can't switch off. Yeah. And it keeps me awake at night. Oh, dude. And a lot of it is dark thoughts. Like, I almost hate bedtime more than any I'm other the time of day. I'm the same. It worries me. I the, hate it. The thought of having to go there. As soon as I lay down, my, my brain goes, oh, do you remember that shit thing you did when yes, you were 17? that's when it gets you, doesn't it? Yeah, do you remember when you were fucking that girl around because you were a cunt? And I'm like, oh, my God, not now, not yeah. now. She's moved on. We've all moved on. Why am I thinking about this now? Get out of my fucking head. Yeah, you haven't got any money. I know I haven't got any money. Oh, God, stop it. Stop it. Like uh, Doug Stanhope said, he said the same thing. He goes, you know, you get to bed and you lay down and that's when the carnival starts. Like, duh, 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 duh. I had Doug on my something. podcast. Oh, mate, was, Doug's he brilliant. A, he was incredible. He was exactly as you'd expect. It was in a hotel room, but it was on the top floor with a balcony out back. And he brings me in. He's got his suit on, like mm. just as he always oh, has. Yeah, 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 off stage yeah, as well. Cheesy 70s. Yeah, great. He gets them all <laughs> secondhand. And he's like, I might have to get up and shit several times throughout the course of this interview. And there's like a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, <laughs> on an ashtray full of cigarettes. He's got a fucking cocktail on the go. And we ended up getting pretty smashed together, actually. There's been, there's been a few podcasts. Nick Oliveri from Queens of the Stone Age was oh, wow. the drunkest one I've ever done in my really? life. We drank a bottle of Jack over the course of an hour Holy shit, so man. by the end of it I was blackout drunk like blackout drunk interviewing Jesus. Nick Oliveri it's a great episode but whenever I listen back to those ones I, I hate the sound of my own voice when I'm pissed I don't mind hearing my own voice because I've been doing it for 10 yeah, years yeah, yeah. and you have to block that out but I hate the way I speak when I'm drunk mm-hmm. I, I can just tell listening to it that I know I'm pissed <laughs> but hopefully other people don't but well now they will because I've said but, yeah. <laughs> said it, but yeah. Doug was fantastic man <laughs> he was telling me about partying with Johnny Depp like he'll stay at Johnny Depp's house because they're mates and Johnny Depp won't surface till like three in the morning. So Doug's been invited to stay over, but he doesn't mm. see Johnny. So he's just in like the pool house or whatever. Uh, I guess Johnny's not even coming out today. So he'll yeah. get to go to bed. And then that's when Depp appears like, hey, you want to do some shots? <laughs> 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's a fucking animal, apparently. A wild animal. Yeah. Um, oh, man. What are we talking about? So Doug's I reckon, home. so yeah, to get back to what we were saying. Oh, at so, night, the nighttime terrors. Yes. Crippling anxiety. Oh, dude. And this is, I, this is, I recently... My mate, Paul Perry, I was talking to him. And I said to him, I said, mate, I get these. Because I was, I was always saying, like, I, you know, I don't have anxiety, I don't have this. I, that, that's something, that's what all these young people are using to. As well, we were saying last yeah. night, where we, anxiety is an emotion, it's not yes, an illness. No. And I'm not disrespecting anybody that goes through those feelings, but anxiety really is an emotion that you feel, which is a negative res- response to something that's making you uncomfortable in your life. Yeah. That is not the same as being depressed. Bipolar, schizophrenic, any of those real illnesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and emotional. I get it, but a lot of the time I'm like, just put the phone away. It's yeah. when you see people on Instagram on their stories and they're like, hello, anxiety. Yeah. And we all get it, but looking at your phone at 1am and looking at Instagram and what other people are up to and comparing yourself to them, that is not going to help the situation. Exactly, man. So that comes up, that theme comes up. Listen so to many a podcast, times. read a book. Yes. Just do, even watch a film, but I would say don't even do anything that's like screen or electronic related. Read a book yeah, man. and just escape get out of your own head yeah, like for a while yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you'll yeah. get perspective and you'll go oh okay that yeah. story was quite nice I feel less shit now exactly and this, <laughs> this, 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 this people have this misunderstanding that they should have this 
idyllic life. Like everything yes. should be just well, everything's so... selective, isn't it? What yeah. you're seeing online isn't the reality of, of people's course lives. Of course it is. It's, it's snapshots and highlights yeah. that they've selectively chosen because they want to present this version of themselves. And we all do it. Of course we do. But just know that they're having shit times too. Yeah. It's just they're probably not sharing it. Exactly. Exactly, man. Because you're not... You know, I, I, I'm not going to show you... I'm not going to put a picture of me lying on the bed crying. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. not going to do it. One, yeah. it looks shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, it looks like I'm attention-seeking. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, thing, isn't it? Just, you know... it's A lot of it is attention-seeking, yeah, people who do yeah, do that. Yeah. I've got a friend, Jesse Leach, who's in a metal band called Kill Switch Engage. Yeah. Um, he was on the show early on, episode five, and he's become a great friend in the months, the months sorry, that have passed since then. Uh, we did a live Q&A together, spent some great times together, but he is very open on his social media about his... Real struggles with yeah. real mental illness and depression. And he's very open and he's great for just getting the dialogue out there in a way that isn't self-involved yes. or indulgent. It's just like, this is where I'm at mm. and you're not alone if you feel that way too. Yeah, we need man. to talk about it. We need to get the dialogue out there. We need to know that it's okay. To, I I kind of hate when these little slogans appear, but I do like the one that's it's okay to not feel okay. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same. I'm a bit like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. But yeah, that one. And, it, and social media is so bad for attention seeking. Yeah. Right? And I'm not, if you, because there are so many people out there with real debilitating mental illnesses, and 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 absolutely, these people need to be need to be told that you're not alone. We can, if you talk about it, we can help you. We can do things. But just putting up a photo of yourself, going, oh, the, you well, know I mean? oh, fuck off, man. It's a trait that is very. In- ingrained in like blogger culture and now influencer culture and that yeah, is my least favourite word oh, on the fucking planet fuck no an influencer is Gandhi yeah an influencer <laughs> is Martin Luther King yeah. Nelson Mandela these yeah. are influencers Ian Mackay these are influencers yeah. you know not fucking someone that's putting makeup on and I've got oh, mate, close know. friends who do it and everybody's out there hustling and making a living and I respect their work drive and their work ethic but it's when these people will post a selfie of their face with a completely unrelated story oh underneath. dude which is basically an excuse to just show off your pretty face. And it's yeah. like, why not just say, felt cute, might delete later or something. Exactly. Rather than just go off on some fucking tangent oh, that has mate. nothing to do with your face. Exactly. Or some <laughs> shit like, oh, thinking of the kids in Syria. Yeah, and yeah, and it's a selfie. Go, yeah, go fuck yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. Just own so it. So insincere. And the fact yeah. that people can't see through that, but it's like anything, isn't it? Because it is just the accepted norm now, young people growing up see that and just think that's the done thing. Yeah, man. And it's like anything. If you're fed shit for long enough, then you'll eat it and you'll think it tastes great. Yeah. Because you've never tasted what actual art and exactly, these, these things yeah. that really change the way we think, how important they are. If you've never been given that, you don't know how special and important that is. Yeah. And you last night, I'll say it, because it would be arrogant if you would, but I'm going to say it. People <laughs> need to know what the kind of bloke that rich is so last night this guy comes up to us on the street as many many people do in Birmingham because the homeless problem here is fucking rife and it breaks my heart and you can't give change to all of them and you know a lot of the time you know that that money perhaps isn't going to go to good things because you can sometimes see you know if someone's got designer trainers on oh every time yeah yeah come on mate pull your shoes (laughs) (laughs) but some guy came up to us both last night and he's like I don't want any money I just want some food I'm starving and you went and got him oh, a burger and chips and a yeah, coke. Yeah. Well, and and this is the problem that I have. And I then went on to tell you the story about how if there's a guy with a fucking shit in his hand on the street, right? Oh, yeah. He's clearly crazy. Comes up to you. You go, well, that's, he's a freak. Mm. And you go on the other, you walk on the other side of the street. Now, what that person is, is someone that's been pushed to the fringe of his fucking mind by the brutal 
realities of his life that mm. have driven him to that place Sick. and these are the people that we need to empathize with and take care of not fucking affluent self-indulgent arrogant fuckers that are just oh i'm struggling we're all struggling yeah. but these people are exactly, really struggling yeah. and that's real mental illness like yeah, that is the yeah. extent of what people who are unwell in themselves yeah will go to and do. And yeah, these yeah. are the people that we need to fucking take care of and look yeah, after. Well, that's what we said last night. It's like these these so-called influencers that give a shit. They laugh they at say, that person. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, go, yeah. Take, or take a picture of him and go, look yeah, at this fucking uh, weirdo. Yeah, you go, mate, uh, you know, if you give a shit, help him, ring Ooh. someone, take him somewhere, take him, if you can, I don't know, take him, you wouldn't take him to your house, would you, to give him a shower? No, because you don't really give a fuck. Yeah, you know, and that's what angers me. And you try and engage with these people. Well, that's it. Just a lot of the time, they just, want, they just want... These people on the street, a lot of the time, they just want human fucking yeah. connection. Like, even if you can't give change to someone, maybe just stop and take the time to have a two-minute conversation with them yeah. because all all we really want to do is be treated like human beings, yeah. isn't it? Everybody has that basic right to be treated as an equal. And I think when you just don't even look at these people and you walk mm. past them, like, if you don't have the money, don't give them change. I always, if, if I haven't got any money, I always... Talk to them. Oh, yeah, I, I, or I'll, give them I'll a go, sandwich. Yeah, I go, sorry, dude, but listen, take care. And that, yeah, and that, yeah. Even that, that, it shows that you care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't cost you anything. No, but you try, zero well, effort, maximum impact. Exactly, man. And you, but you trying to well, same is you trying to engage with the people online. The influence these fucking quotes influencers. The worst just, word ever. Oh god, <laughs> content I hate as well. It's just content oh, creator. Content. It's just Stuart Lee nailed it, mate. <laughs> it's just fucking basic people showing basic people how to be more basic. Yeah, if you call what you do content, you're not an artist. Oh, you know, you fuck. are you going to sit there? You're writing some jokes, right? You're writing a whole new routine are you going to then go I'm creating some quality content tonight here in my hotel room I might do it sarcastically <laughs> yeah yeah sarcastically is fine and, you know, Stuart Lee nailed it with his new special but if you call what you do content then you're really revealing what the depth of what you do yeah. has which is fucking zero <laughs> a photo of your face is content and it's shit I, I, I don't need That's to keep seeing it I don't need to keep seeing it but then you, and then you get called out for it you get called like you know, you get called you're like you're you're oh, you know these people are speaking out about mental health and and now you're shutting them down. You're like, no, 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 I'm shutting that person down because they're not. They are they are hijacking. Some they're of jumping on the bandwagon yeah. and disrespecting a very serious cause. Exactly, in order to fucking push themselves up the ladder and get attention for themselves. Well, it's a very uh, fashionable cause to get behind at the oh, moment. Mate. Well, isn't this it? is what like Jade Adams has said this, and she said, you know, it used to be they'd stick a woman on the bonnet of a car in a bikini to sell the car. Now they don't do that anymore. Now we're now we're pushing mental health. As a, as, a, as a selling point, it's like... Yeah, oh, it's, it's oh, not fucking are... glamorous. Isn't it? The reality of mental disease is not fucking glamorous you... or chic or hip. Exactly. As I've seen, man, and the ward that my mum used to spend half my fucking life in mm. is now closed down because the funding's wow, not there. Man. It's called the Bruce Burns Ward in Solihull, at Solihull Hospital, and it's gone. And it's like, no, if we're, if we're really behind these yeah. issues, we're not fucking being self-indulgent about it and just fucking, you know, losing our, ourselves and our own vanity. Yeah. Let's fucking get out there. Let's raise money for these charities. Let's That's fucking it. take care of these people. And let's really make the government fucking step up because Absolutely, the amount... Yeah. Did you see that picture the other day? There was a picture on Facebook and it was a meeting in the Houses of Parliament for... There's no one there. And there was like four fucking yeah, politicians there. They don't give a and fuck. these people do not care about you. 
or me or no. you. They just don't. And that's I don't vote. And I'm not going to get political because I'm not a political person, obviously, because no. I don't vote. Fuck them all. Whoever you vote for, the government wins. I take care of myself and my immediate exactly. friends, yeah. family, yeah. and then strangers that I can show kindness yeah, to. Yeah, man. Just try and do good on a small level and it ripples out because the people in fucking power do not care about you. No. And I don't want to get on a soapbox no, and, no, no, but that's and true. alienate anyone, but <laughs> fuck it, man. They don't give a fuck. They never have. My, I remember one of the first things my dad ever told me he said, the world is corrupt from the top down. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need to know. Yep. Oh, oh, it's money, man. Shit. Money. It's money all about power. money. Of course it is. And they don't give a shit. They'd be, they'd be happy if we all just disappeared. They would, they would, they, it means it's more for them. They got, oh, we have to worry about people with no money now because they're all gone. Yeah. You know, and, it, and of course, of course there's, there's more anxiety. Of course there's more mental health issues because it's fucking hard. It's troubling times and we're they living don't, in, yeah. And they, I mean, I looked at the news today. There's, there's, we've got, we've got, we've got more troubles in Northern Ireland. With someone, you know, a journalist has been killed. We're back to the seventies. We're yeah. having power cuts. Yeah, we've having, fully regressed. It's fucking bananas. And the facts. I'm not informed about it enough to go too much into it, but obviously all you see in the news every day is Brexit, 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 yeah. Brexit. So what the fuck else is getting any attention of these people in power? Yeah, Nothing. Nothing. Nothing's getting done. All we're doing is just scratching our fucking heads. Yeah. And Brexit's <laughs> all about money anyway. Of course it is. It's all, it is. Everything just goes back to money, and it's about businessmen trying to get more money for themselves. And the working class in America and the UK are so fucking lost... And they're voting against their own self-interest because they're fucking being sold liars yeah. by people like Donald Trump and fucking exactly. Nigel Farage. Yeah. And it's like, no, man, you're fucking doing more damage to your communities by supporting these people. But I understand why they are because they're so disillusioned with the fucking. Of course they are. People are reaching out. If you if you say, system, yeah, yeah, if you you know you reach out amongst the shit, you know, and go, look, I got, I have this, this, this will help you. Of course you're going to grab that hand and go, fuck it. Yeah. You know, really, even if it's the devil himself, go, look, yeah, come here, course. I can help you out. You go, listen, that, that's my best option. I'm going to fucking take it. Everybody just wants to look after themselves and those around them. And that's, you know, that's innate in us from caveman era. It's hunter-gatherer shit, isn't exactly, it? Man. As you protect the community. Mm. And that's what we need to get back to, is community-based yes, living, where yes, we're looking yes. after our neighbours yeah. and the people on the street, on our street. Exactly. That need our help, not fucking the people that are just getting fatter and richer. Oh and man, it drives me and mad. It, it dri- I, I I really became politically awakened with a, a lowercase p at university because I went to Exeter, which is an amazing university. Yeah, it's a great I mean, one, it's yeah. one of the top ones in the country. But I wasn't really aware of the upper class until I got there because I grew up in a very middle class suburban village mm. with uh, you know a very good school. It was a state school, but it wasn't like a kind of a rough one it was yeah. very good it was one of the highest in the country for its you know exam rates and whatever and so i thought oh, i'm i'm a, i come from a fairly affluent area and then i got to exeter and i was like fuck me when you meet people like hugo who that brilliant comic last night went on the, oh yeah, the, yeah yeah and you meet these people with double barrel surnames and people who are like landed gentry aristocracy oh, and they money, are yeah. the elite and i saw those people and how fucking I don't want to generalise, but I've been around a lot of them to know that a lot of them are so disgusting. Their characters, their souls, yeah. they don't care about anybody else. They have no fucking sympathy. They have Awful. no generosity. Yeah. They're just, I want to, I'm, I'm important. I'm better than you. And that's what they're uh, brought up to feel like yeah. and think like. And that from the schools to the parents, oh, that whole system is about protecting what they have and keeping what they have yes. and fuck everyone else at all costs. Yeah, man. Fuck. If you're not, if you're not, and if you're not 
Um, if if you not, ain't in the club, you ain't getting in. Yeah, exactly. And if you're not traumatised by all this shit, then there's something wrong with you. Cause, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It, it, of course you've got anxiety. Of course you're fucking depressed. Because it doesn't seem like there's a lot hope. to worry about. Fuck, of course there is, man. But know this. Everyone's, this, we're all feeling the same. That's the thing. You're not alone. <clears throat> and you're not, you're not, all these weird thoughts. I said this the other day on another podcast. We all have weird thoughts. And... I, I used to How weird this. are we talking, Rich? Well, if someone... <laughs> like, I'll give you an example, right? If someone was to hand you a baby, there's a, there's a brief second, millisecond, where you go, I could punt this over the shed. <laughs> <laughs> and then your brain goes, don't be daft. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you go, no, of course, it's a beautiful baby. There's always that weird <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody has the same sort of thing, you know? Just that soft bit at the top of the head, go, you know, just push it in. <laughs> Have you ever been somebody who's been uh, interested or kind of um, into drugs? What do you mean? Just like, have you ever taken? Oh God, yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm just trying to ask in my journalistic way: <laughs> Have you done drugs? Well, well you made it sound like I've, like, I've, I've studied you, them. Yeah, yeah. Are you a Hunter S. Thompson type? Because oh, I'm right. very much. I am very interested, and I think this goes back to growing up around an unwell mum. Is I'm very interested in the the limits, uh, well, in the brain and its mm. capability, its destructive power, as much as its beautiful power. And I like exploring what's going on up yeah, there and cool. I like you know taking magic mushrooms and yeah. MDMA and things like this and just so like unlocking experimenting yeah. and unlocking and just seeing the world in a different way because yeah. I feel like when you go on these trips they obviously aren't meant to last forever but you do see a snapshot of another reality mm. and you know our reality is what we think and feel but it's no different or superior to anyone else's no. and this is what you learn quite early on if you're around mental health issues is what this person feels and thinks in their head is their reality yeah. it might not be yours but that's not to say it's any less real to them no. and so I'm, all, I'm fascinated with the limits and the, the you know the just the plethora of mm. magic that can exist within one's own yeah. skull. And I love taking myself out of day to day. Well, Simon Evans on a, on his episode of this, he was talking about like scientists and. I People. wish I had the tools and the language to talk about it anymore. Oh, me, is, uh, I'm saying. Expert I, I, it, way. It makes me realise. I like getting that. fucked yeah. up is what I'm basically saying. But <laughs> it's important because yeah, yeah, yeah. it teaches you, doesn't it, how to see the world differently. Yeah, but so I've never said, like, there's doctors and that, that, uh, you know, getting it, trying to get into it, trying to get into like, examine the human brain and, it, and its and its capabilities. And, and, and more often than not, they, like, when you start talking about conscience. Or yeah, 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 completely. They'll all go, no, listen, don't get involved because you, that's a... That's a big dark hole you'll well, never, you, there's no end to it there's the downside isn't there that drugs ruin lives and they fuck people yeah. up and you know there's a lot of evil drugs out there and, oh, God, yeah. you, know, you don't know what it's cut with as well the shit yeah. you're taking and you know magic mushrooms are the best yeah. I, I, I think you know it's from the earth it's meant to be taken like the medicinal powers that that stuff has like it's written about it's studied it's proven that people with mental health issues have benefited mm. from psychotropic drugs uh, obviously a lot of people use cannabis now yes, uh, yes. and thank God whoever that in places powerful places like california it's being legalized yeah. and that's setting a trend that you know is changing the way that we think about these things because you know street drugs chemicals they're obviously there's no fucking positive qualities to that no, stuff other than no. to have a good time when you're out yeah. of your mind which i do enjoy from time to time <laughs> but things like cannabis and magic mushrooms things that are from the earth natural drugs mm. they've been used throughout time by us as humans for positive effects mm. and the way that drugs have been criminalized by the government is I think a fucking crime. Like the fact that they won't acknowledge that these things help these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like because that was, it's yeah. pharma companies, isn't it? They're yeah, like, no, like, we yeah. need we need them on lithium, and we need them on things yeah, like this, so that, we can yeah, fucking yeah, line our pockets. And that's why Bill Hicks pointed out. He said, 
because they can't, they don't know how to, they haven't worked out how to tax them. Exactly. And so that's yeah. why they go, it's illegal, because we yeah. can't make any money from it. Yeah. Which is why they're, re they're reluctant to uh, legalise weed. Yeah. Because they're like, well, we have no control over that, because you can grow that yourself. And they fucking can't get there. They're like, no, we must have every penny that we can't have these people being self sufficient. It's like, and it well, how much crime out. would it cut out as well? Yeah, mate. Do you no know what's going out? No one's going out robbing phones if you're moshed off your tits on fucking weed, eating Watsits, playing PlayStation. <laughs> you can't. We said, I mean, there was that street song, wasn't there? There was the two, there was the guy that, you know, oh, I fought for my country and I'll go out, but every weekend I go out, I drink lard and I get smashed up. Yeah. And you go, but there's other there's students, and they're the ones that are getting, they're the ones that are getting, you know, um, they're, they're being treated like criminals. You're like, yeah, but I'm just sitting indoors playing playing PlayStation and yeah. eating crisps and I'm not doing anything. I'm not hurting anyone. I've never been a big fan of weed. I had about a year where I smoked it where I was about 16, but weed actually for me has a very negative effect. It makes, makes me very paranoid. Does it? Very paranoid. It sends yeah. me to sleep. I just doze does off. Does it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, makes, it. it sends me to a really... Parajuana, I call it. Yeah, really? Yeah, I don't fuck so with do weed think, at all. Do you think Which is weird it? because mushrooms don't give me paranoia at all. Yeah, right. I, they have the opposite effect. I love mushrooms. I've only done them about eight times in my whole yeah. life. It's not like I'm out doing them every week. But whenever I do, I make it an event, an occasion, and we yeah, get, like, yeah. go out to Epping Forest. And fuck. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like do cool shit where you're in nature yes. and you're just reconnected to the earth yeah. without sounding all hippy-dippy. <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're, especially when you live in an urban environment, it's, it's great and important to get away from that and escape and get reconnected to life and growth. And, you know, again, mm -hmm. going back to my accident, like I learned about the healing powers of the body through that. And that's crazy, isn't it? That you can mm. snap and break and, you know, yeah. oh, the body's totally incredible fuck machine. yourself up yeah. and then it can heal. And yeah, if you give that it, gets you, you thinking about life and this this bigger purpose, this bigger picture. Yeah. You know, it's all connected. It is. It's energy. It's flowing. It's and that's why we need to come away from our phones. Come away from your phones. Get reconnected with yourself. Mate. And you know what? You won't always like what you see. Yeah. But it's oh, important big, to know yeah. that that's oh, the yeah. side of you that exists and you acknowledge yeah, it. Man. Oh, the biggest, the biggest stepping stone for me, the biggest marker was when I, when I was like, oh, mate, I'm a bit of a cunt. Yeah, well, that's a tough realization uh, yeah, to come to grips yeah, with, isn't exactly. it? But it's important. And that, once you get to that point, there's only, there's only one way to go: it's forward. Yeah, you're right. I'm a cunt. Okay, let's work it out. Why are you a cunt? And then you go from that. And then he, then he says, "I go. Oh, actually, fundamentally, I'm not a cunt. I've just been doing cunty things." Why am I doing It's cunt easy things? to be a cunt. Yeah. It's not easy to be a good, nice, honest, decent yeah, person. It takes work. And there's an element of spirituality to that, I think, mm. the self-improvement. And you want to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. And that, that takes work. You know, if you want to look physically good, you've got to go to the gym. And it's the same with your brain. Like If you yeah. want to be a kind, good person, you have to work at that. You know, you have to be a, a little more selfless and a little more yeah, self-aware. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Otherwise, you are just a lazy cunt who's <laughs> not contributing anything positive to the world. Do you know what I mean? You're right, man. <laughs> right. Matt, this has been fantastic. Right on, Thank brother. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me Cheers. on the show. Insane in the membrane. So that was Matt Stocks. I told you, he's good, isn't he? He's a nice lad. Uh, I mean, he could, he's just, he just, all you got to do is just sit him down, stick a microphone in front of him, and off he goes. He's absolutely brilliant. He's great company, great chat. Um, you know, and it's interesting to see, again, you know, like everybody else, like everybody, we all have our highs, we have our lows. It's just part of the human experience, isn't it? We just, you know, no one's living a perfect life, you know, even though it's portrayed everywhere that, you know, you think people are. Nobody is. Everybody's got a bit, a bit of sadness going on and a bit of happiness and then a bit of, bit of nothing, you know? It's, it's all part of it. It's all part of it. So thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production. <laughs> 